Oh my goodness. Good morning, good afternoon. Whatever it is for you, I hope you're having a fantastic day. My name is Zach Schaumler. This is Strong Opinion Sports, episode 322. Uh, it is 721 Sunday morning, the final day of the NFL regular season. Going to be kind of a crazy day. We'll find out who makes the playoffs in the NFL. Going to be very interesting. I'm excited to watch the Buffalo Bills play the Miami Dolphins. I'm really hankering to watch Daniel Jones and the Giants play. I want to see how he does. Um, today's episode is very short. Uh, I'm not going to hold you here too long. I really just want to talk about college football. We'll talk about the college football playoff, who won, who lost, and we'll talk about Georgia, Cincinnati at the very end. I want to start today with, by talking about this, though. On New Year's Day, in the college football playoff semifinals, Ohio State beat Clemson 49-28. to And uh, first of all, it's a fun game to watch. I really want to give a shout-out to ESPN, something I very rarely do. Uh, the presentation of the game was awesome. The whole game felt epic. And I mean, the, the hype package before the game, it just, I was so excited. And then I really was glued to my TV. The first half of this game was amazing. Uh, the second half drug on a little bit as Ohio State pretty clearly was going to win. Uh, but shout out to ESPN, man. They did a great job. And it's kind of kind of shocking, actually. Like, this game was so well done by ESPN. And it's like, it's such a superior product to Monday Night Football, which is also done by ESPN. It's like, ah, oh, like, why can't Monday Night Football be as good as this was? I, I don't know. Maybe maybe a playoff atmosphere helps. I have no idea. But every time I watch uh, a, a really hyped up, big, intense college football game on ESPN, it's really well done. And it makes me sad that Monday Night Football isn't better. My only criticism, I guess, of the, the presentation was that I didn't like the yellow first down indicator on the bottom right of the screen. Made me come thinking that there was a flag on every single play. I was like, oh, first and 10? Is there a flag? Oh, no, it's just because it's yellow for some reason. I don't know why they did that. But otherwise, man, uh, every facet of the presentation, I, I don't normally talk about that when it comes to games. Phenomenal. Very well done. Uh, Dabo Sweeney, Clemson head, uh, Clemson's head coach. He put his foot in his mouth, man. He was wrong. Uh, for whatever reason, I don't really understand. Well, he'll tell you his reason. I think it's stupid. Dabo Sweeney ranked Ohio State number 11 in the coaches poll behind Coastal Carolina, which is laughable. Uh, and he kept criticizing Ohio State for, you know, they only played six games. They didn't play enough games to be in this situation. I don't know if he was trying to avoid playing them or w what was going on. I mean, they, they would have played nine games if COVID hadn't happened. And really all that Dabo Sweeney did here was add fuel to the fire. I think he motivated Ohio State, which I would never want to add any kind of motivation to a really, really good Ohio State football team. And I think it's also pretty clear. I mean, Ohio State got a lot of criticism. I even actually, I said, like, look. I understand why people don't want Ohio State here. They didn't play a lot of games. But it would be ridiculous to leave Ohio State out of the college football playoff because they were the best team. Or Sorry, excuse me. One of the top four teams in college football. Then they beat Clemson soundly. And you're like, yeah, clearly they belong in the playoff. And anybody who th thought they didn't, I mean, are you not trying to get the four best teams in the country in the college football playoff? I understand, like, they didn't play a ton of games. They only played six, uh, but I, I, I think people were out to get Ohio State just a little bit, and I, I, I don't know. I, I don't understand uh, why people were so against Ohio State being there. Clearly, they belonged, and I would always want the the best four teams in the playoff, and it's kind of weird, too. Like, I, I understand, like, normally, uh, during a normal year, hey, fine, a team only plays two games or however many, like, a small amount of games. Don't put them in. But during COVID, this crazy year going on, I, I think they get a pass, and I, I think it's totally fine. So it's – Dabo Sweeney looked really bad here. Now, many people kind of hate on Dabo Sweeney, and really, they don't just hate on him. They actually hate him. 
Uh, definitely Dabo Sweeney has put his foot in his mouth a couple times. Uh, he's a bit loud. He's a bit braggadocious. But I have talked to people who play at Clemson, people that play at Clemson. Some of them listen to this podcast. And everybody I've talked to at Clemson, they love the guy. They, they, uh, his players love him. Dabo Sweeney's players love him. He has their back. He's a coach who loves football. And like anybody outside of the Clemson building just can't understand. Like, I, Dabo has faults and he's not perfect. Um, but I, from a player standpoint, he's such a player friendly coach. I would do anything to play for Dabo Sweeney. He's awesome. He's a great guy. I, I think that, again, not perfect. Clearly, he said some stuff. I'm like, I don't agree with that. That's stupid. But man, is he the kind of guy who his players love him? They fight hard for him. And uh, I just, I think. Ah, you can hate Dabo Sweeney, no problem. But I, I think it's a little bit silly when people say he's like an awful person or this or that. I'm like, okay, like he's he's loud, he's braggadocious. But at the end of the day, I, I will never forget what he said about Deshaun Watson. He said, Deshaun Watson is like Michael Jordan. Do not pass on him. And he was he has full, complete confidence in his players. And I, I just love that about him. Now, Ohio State dominated Clemson. Uh, Clemson quarterback Trevor Lawrence had a ton of pressure in his face all day, uh, all game long. It just really... Uh, we we learned. I don't know what we. I don't. For me, I, like there's a lot of little things we could talk about and nitpick about the game and this and that. And I just like ah, I don't know. I think a lot of people. Anybody who hates Trevor Lawrence, I don't really understand. A lot of people like were so happy to see him fail and see him lose. And I I don't really understand the the desire to root against anybody. Like let me define what a hater is. A hater is somebody who hates on somebody and really isn't open to them changing their mind. And you can, I, I, let me be clear. If you hate on somebody, you just want to see them fail. You are rooting for them to fail. That's what a hater is. Now, offering criticism is one thing. And you can say like, ah, Trevor Lawrence should have done this or that. But a hater is somebody who isn't open to having a conversation. All they want is to tear somebody down and see them fail. And I don't really understand haters in anything. I mean, really, maybe the closest I've ever come to being a hater is I did a really uh, intense segment about Mitchell Trubisky, the Bears quarterback. Other than that, I, I don't really I, – I try not to be that guy. I try to be like, hey, I'll say what I believe, and I'm willing for people to change my mind. And I don't really understand people who are eager to watch Trevor Lawrence fail and attack him. And we're so – you know, took so much joy in watching the guy lose to Ohio State. Now, again, there's a lot of stuff we could talk about. I Really, all I want to talk about is – Ohio State's quarterback, Justin Fields. Ohio State's quarterback, Justin Fields, was outstanding against Clemson in their college football playoff game. It was phenomenal. It was fun to watch. Uh, he was 22 for 28 passing, had 385 yards, six passing touchdowns, one interception. He also ran uh, eight times for 42 yards. And stats are great. Like, stats are impressive. And I, I thought he had some really great balls downfield and threw the ball vertically very, very well. Uh, now, it's also worth giving some context. All this happened... Uh, and you know, in the first half, by the way, he got nailed in the ribs on a third down run for a first down. And literally, he only missed one snap the entire game. He, he missed one snap and then came back in the game. And so pretty much all like half of his stats were put up with an, a significant injury to his ribs. And I, the guy was clearly in a lot of pain. And I, I just I, I walked away going like this is just such an impressive performance by Justin Fields. And uh, I, clearly the talent is there. And so I'm about to make a statement, a pretty strong statement about Justin Fields. But I want to offer context. I don't want people to think that because, look, I'm not just reacting to the moment. I've watched every game uh, Justin Fields has played all year. I'm not just talking about this game. I'm talking about his whole body of work this year and in the past. 
Uh, and when you look at his year, you have to acknowledge that Justin Fields had two bad games. He had a really bad game against Northwestern and a really bad game against Indiana. And they were like, oh, that's, that's some stuff on film. I'm like, I don't like that. And so it's pretty clear and obvious to me there are, there are things that Justin Fields needs to work on. Absolutely. Sure. I acknowledge that. I own that. Um, but also, I would draft Justin Fields without any hesitation. If he's on the board and available, I'm like, I'm, I'm taking the guy. And I don't really know what that means in comparison to Trevor Lawrence or Zach Wilson. That's a conversation for another day. Uh, but I do know that whoever ends up drafting Justin Fields, wherever he goes, that team is getting an outstanding quarterback and a guy that I, on and off the field, I'm a big fan of. And so in this upcoming NFL draft, Justin Fields kind of reminds me of another guy named Justin, Justin Herbert. Remember, going into last year's NFL draft, uh, I was down on Herbert. There were some bad moments on film. I went, ugh, I know he's really talented, but despite the talent, there's a lot of stuff I'm like, I, that makes me hesitate on film. But I, I, Herbert got good coaching. And as he went to the NFL, and, and the NFL got good coaching, and he challenged all that talent he has into really high-level good quarterback play. And so I think Justin Herbert and Justin Fields are similar, where in recent years we have seen guys who have had problems in college, some, some film that makes you go, ooh, I don't like that throw, or that's a, that's a mistake I don't like. But they were really talented. Guys like, uh, well, Justin Herbert, we talked about him, but also Josh Allen and Patrick Mahomes. And so the mistakes that Justin Fields made this year, they don't really bother me the same way they would have a couple of years ago. Uh, they scare me way less because I look at, hey, he's really, really talented. And if I was a coach, I would be certain I could take Justin Fields and help him become an amazing quarterback. I mean, if you're in the, an NFL coach and you have any confidence, you're like, yeah, this guy clearly has a ton of talent. Hey, he's got some stuff we got to teach him. No big deal. Like he clearly, he works hard. He's very talented. I, I think it's important to say like, the progression he's made over the years, from year to year to year, Justin Fields has gotten better. I mean, Georgia in his first year compared to last year, compared to this year in his second year at Ohio State, his mechanics are better. He's literally throwing the ball better. He's much more comfortable reading defenses and going through progressions. And so seeing Justin Fields' steady improvement shows that Justin is willing to do the work it takes to get better. I'm like, ah, perfect. He's talented. He works hard. If I'm a coach, I'm like, in a heartbeat, I'll take the guy. Now, let's do compare Justin Fields to Trevor Lawrence real quick. There's a little bit of interesting stuff I can add. Uh, Justin Fields is, he, he moves better than Trevor Lawrence, the Clemson quarterback. He's more mobile. And if you're an NFL team with a bad offensive line, Justin Fields is more likely to succeed with you than Trevor Lawrence because Justin Fields can run and extend plays. The same way we've seen uh, to a, probably a greater extent than Justin will Deshaun Watson or Jalen Hurts or Russell Wilson. Like, if you can move, that's a, a key, good part of your game. And we saw in the college football playoff game, Trevor, under heavy pressure with the bad offensive line, struggling, losing one-on-one -on -one matchups. He's not very effective. So Justin's mobility, I think, is a huge asset that if I'm a team with a bad offensive line, I go, hmm, Trevor or Justin? Well, if we can't protect him very well, we might lean on the fact he can move around a little bit. That's worth noting. Now, Zach Wilson, the former BYU quarterback, is ridiculously talented. I, I really, if I were an NFL coach, I guess really 
the thing is talking to Zach Wilson and Justin Fields, having conversations with them face to face, getting to know them. If I was going to make a decision between the two, it'd have to come down to like, who do I work with better? Who is more receptive to coaching? Who is like, who do I vibe with better in the meeting room? Cause they're very similar in talent. However, the difference between Justin Fields and Zach Wilson is that Justin runs with more power, uh, but they both do impressive stuff that if you look at their film, you go like, there are multiple moments I watch Zach Wilson. And I go, Oh my goodness, that's a crazy play. And I watch Justin Fields and I go, wow, that's ridiculous. They both make me feel that way where I'm like, that's just something that's a crazy play that's really impressive. Uh, and I, between Zach Wilson and Justin Fields, it's it's pretty neck and neck. I, I, I The difference for me would have to be talking to them in person and getting on a chalkboard and seeing like, who, who do I work with better? How do, who do I feel more comfortable working with in the future? But I do believe that there are at least, at minimum, Three really good quarterbacks in the upcoming 2021 NFL draft. Uh, you got, you know, Zach Wilson, Trevor Lawrence, and Justin Fields. And there are going to be teams that I, I believe are going to pass on Justin Fields. Yeah, and if you do, if you pass on Justin Fields for another position, say the Bengals draft, uh, Panay Sewell, the, the fantastic left tackle out of Oregon. Hey, that's fine. Go get Panay Sewell. He looks like a generational talent at left tackle. But other than Panay Sewell, I don't really know what position you could draft that would kind of trump and be more meaningful than Justin Fields. Like if you are a team and you draft a corner or a linebacker or a defensive end and you do not draft Justin Fields, oh boy, uh, I, I'm looking at Atlanta. At uh, I'm trying to think of another team that is up there, Carolina. Like If, if teams or, or whoever trades up, like I, I cannot fathom a team with a, an aging veteran quarterback or a team that um, really doesn't have a, unless you have a Josh Allen or a Justin Herbert or a guy, a really young quarterback, you believe in like the Bengals have Joe Burrow. I can't really imagine passing on Justin Fields. And if you do, oh man, you're going to get reminded of that for years. I mean, this is kind of a cheap shot. I admit that, but don't forget Washington could have drafted Justin Herbert. Now, I thought they got a phenomenal player, Chase Young, who I think is going to be a great defensive end. But who's had more impact in year one, Chase Young or Justin Herbert? I, I mean, that kind of conversation, I think it's more of a cheap shot because of how talented Chase Young is. But that kind of conversation is going to go on and on if anybody passes on Justin Fields, because I have utmost confidence Justin Fields is going to be fantastic in the NFL. Now, I do have an outsider perspective on what I'm about to say next. I don't know Justin Fields. I've never met the guy. I don't even know anybody who's... I, so there are some teams around the, the nation that I have an inside track on. I don't have one with Ohio State. But I believe with an outsider's perspective looking in, I I would imagine it had to be a year of growth off the field for Justin Fields because he's had all this Heisman hype. He's gotten all this attention. And he's been everywhere in the media. And then against Northwestern, he had some bad play. Northwestern, the Indiana game. He held on to the ball a bit too long. He tried to make big plays. He tried to, I think, force plays downfield rather than throw the ball away. And I thought that those were those mistakes he made against Northwestern and Indiana were kind of a really kind of a the all the pressure from the media manifesting and a guy trying to deliver on the expectations that have been laid upon him. And so that that's my interpretation of what would happen. Again, this is mostly speculation, but I, I really from the outside looking in, I go. We've seen a guy get a ton of, a lot, a lot of media attention. And actually, if it's true that this has been a really hard year for Justin, 
hard is the wrong word there, but a year of getting a lot of information thrown at him and it's forced him to grow, then that's very, very good. Now, I speak from experience on this one thing. When you get a lot of attention and it's attention that, you know, there's this overwhelming amount of both praise where people, like for Strong Advantage Sports, for example, people love my show. There are people that love me. And then there are people that hunt me down on social media and send me mean pictures and mean messages and all kinds of stuff. Like I've gotten both a lot of praise from people that love what I do and a lot of criticism from people who hate what I do and hate me. So I, I know what it's like to get an overwhelming amount of information, both positive and negative. And when you have that coming your way, you have to learn how to manage it. And I, my belief is that Justin Fields has learned how to manage that kind of information being thrown his way this year. Uh, you also have to remember that the dude's only 21 years old. So for him to have kind of a, a, a growth with the media and the growth with attention, I think is very important for him. And I, I need to say this too. This is, I've seen this in a lot on social media and I've gotten a lot of messages about it. And it's kind of, it's driving me nuts. People need to stop comparing Justin Fields to Dwayne Haskins. It's just not reasonable. Uh, they are different players with a different skill set, with a different background. It, they just have happened to both play at Ohio State. I don't really think that you can look at Dwayne Haskins' failure and say, Justin Fields is going to be another failure out of Ohio State just like Dwayne Haskins was. Uh, Justin is way more talented. I think my, my impression of him as a human being is he's more mature. I, I really, I, Dwayne, ha sorry, Justin Fields has never given you any reason ever off the field to doubt him. In fact, he's only ever done stuff that has encouraged me with how he's carried himself. Uh, he's also been a starter for longer, for more years in college than Dwayne Haskins was. And so I, I think the Dwayne Haskins comparisons are really stupid and baseless. And they're just like different. Like, I just, it doesn't make any sense to me. I, I don't understand why people have this constant comparison of these guys went to the same school. They're clearly the same player. They're going to fail exactly the same. I go, I, I just don't buy it. I, I don't think it's true. I've seen a lot of people come from different schools and play really well and play really bad. And um, I mean, why, how come if Tom Brady was this great, amazing quarterback, how come every quarterback after Tom Brady from Michigan wasn't also amazing? Cause that's not how it works. That's a, a stupid example. It's the only one I could think of off my top of my head, but I just hate when people compare the same, you know, players that went to the same college and acting like they're going to have the same career in the NFL. Now, this year, I, I, the body of work I've seen from Justin Fields has given me a ton of respect for him uh, and, and his work ethic, really. He's made a bunch of improvements this year. And uh, if I were an NFL coach, I would want to work with him. I would draft him. And I would give anybody who is, you know, considering passing on Justin Fields, I would give those teams a, a, a warning. You know, I'll give you a cautious warning. Do not pass on Justin Fields. I think he's incredibly talented. And uh, uh, some coaches are going to look at him, fall in love, and say, I'm going to turn you into a great NFL quarterback. And if by any chance Justin Fields does fall in the NFL draft, all that will do is help him. He'll go to a better and better team the farther down the draft he falls. If that does happen at all, I don't think it will happen. Um, but I think a lot of people have been up and down, and I've kind of come to a, a settled position on Justin Fields. He had some mistakes, absolutely. So did Justin Herbert, so did Josh Allen, so did Patrick Mahomes. And when you have a guy who clearly works very, very hard, but is also very, very talented, that's the kind of guy that makes it in the NFL, in my opinion. And uh, I want to say one more final thing, too. I get called a Justin Fields hater a lot. And I've made videos sharing criticism of Justin Fields. I thought last year he needed to make uh, improvements. And then I thought, they're like, oh, well, hey, I acknowledge he had two bad games this year. 
And I'm like, yeah, there are people out there that are concerned about that. And I acknowledge, I, I, I try to be honest and open and say what I really believe. I'm not a hater of Justin Fields at all. A hater is somebody who roots against somebody. So someone who hates on strong opinion sports is someone who wants to see me fail because they hate me and they don't care what I say. They're not listening to any kind of conversation. There's no redemption arc. There's nothing. They just want to see me fail. I don't want to see Justin Fields fail. I'm not a hater. I never have been. I have offered criticism of him before. I, I said like, hey, uh, and you can watch the Northwestern game. He did some bad stuff. So I stand by my criticism of him. But at the end of the day, I'm not a hater. And I, in fact, I'm actually quite a big fan. And I want to try to learn from the past where we saw Justin Herbert, a guy who had a lot of problems in college, but also very clearly a lot of talent, go from college to the NFL and bam, he succeeded. And we've seen a trend now with three quarterbacks recently, Mahomes, Josh Allen, and Herbert, where they struggled in college, had some things that make you hesitate on film. But at the end of the day, if they're talented and work hard, they're going to make it in the NFL. That is why I buy into Justin Fields. He's going to be an awesome NFL quarterback, and I would draft him in a heartbeat. All right, guys, that was wordy. That was long. I hope you enjoyed it. Uh, I'm going to take a short break. When I return, we'll talk about Alabama. We'll talk about Notre Dame, and we'll talk about Georgia and Cincinnati up ahead. My name is Zach Schaumler. I'm going to take a short break. I will be right back. All right, we are back. Hope you're doing very, very well. Let's talk about more college football. Alabama beat Notre Dame 31-14 to in their college football playoff game. Uh, I will say the game was closer than I thought it would be. It was a bit competitive early on. Ah, competitive is the wrong word. Uh, Alabama was kind of dominating physically, but there was a drive by Notre Dame in the first half. I went, oh, it's a long, it was like a 15-play, 75-yard 75 75-yard drive. I went, huh, that's actually better than I would have predicted. I, I honestly thought Alabama would win by more points than they did. Um, but the game really made me sad because nobody ever gave Notre Dame a chance. Notre Dame really never did have a chance to win the game, despite what they'll tell you. Um, I mean, they just got physically dominated. And so I, I was, I think for like half a second watching this game, I was kind of angry. I went, oh, like, dang it. And I was angry at the NFL college football playoff selection committee. And then I was like, well, I'm, I'm going to own my emotion. I'm not actually angry. I'm sad. I'm disappointed. And actually, I'm not even mad about that. I'm mad at the college football playoff selection committee because there just was not a clear, obvious fourth best team in the nation. I mean, there wasn't a team where like, yeah, here's a team that can have an opportunity and maybe a chance to compete with and maybe even beat Alabama. There just isn't that team in college football. And I mean, even like this is, I think a bit of a stretch, but like in the NFL playoffs, for example, uh, Tennessee is going to get in. I don't think the Tennessee Titans have an opportunity realistically to win an, a Super Bowl or uh, even like the NFC East winner, whether it's the Cowboys or the Washington football team or the Giants, somebody with a losing record is going to make it into the NFL playoffs. And that team has no shot at winning a Super Bowl, despite, again, what they'll tell you. Uh, and we could extend the college football playoff to eight teams. And that, sure, that'd be exciting, right? But does the eighth team in the country really have an opportunity to be a team like Alabama or Ohio State? I, I just don't think so. And I think it would be fun because it would offer good football. Like I wish Florida had had a game where had the ability to play a meaningful game where they were fighting for something. Cause I think Florida had, would have had fewer opt-outs and had more fight in their bowl game than what we saw against Florida and Oklahoma. But there's just not a clear good answer here because I, again, I, I implore you to answer like what team in the country could have been the number four team in the nation that would have had a realistic shot at beating Alabama. I, I just don't think that team exists. And so I don't know. I don't, I hope that there are changes made to the college football playoff. 
I'd like to see an eight-team playoff because I'd like to see uh, more teams play more meaningful games. But I, I mean, I watched the the Texas A&M uh, North, you know, UNC game. North Carolina, Texas A&M was awesome. I mean, they were both fighting hard. Texas A&M wanted to win. They did win. They pulled away late. But I, I more, I, I'm feeling like it was Florida's problem with not being motivated, and having opt-outs, rather than a general problem with the system. Four teams is better than it two, what it used to be. And I, I don't know that, like, whatever team was fifth and left out of the college football playoff would have really had an opportunity to beat a team like Alabama. So, I don't know. I, I'm not really mad. I'm just kind of sad that uh, – I don't even know what I might – like, I guess maybe I'm sad Alabama is just so dominating. They kind of tip the scales and ruin – it's like watching a game that's not balanced. Do you ever play, like, a video game where, like, the stats are not balanced and you can have a weapon that's just way more dominant? So everybody plays with, like – there's some game – everybody plays with a rocket launcher in some games, and you're like – they do that because it's the best weapon in the game by a lot, and therefore every other weapon is less meaningful. Alabama is so dominant, they're kind of just shattering all of the balance and reasonability in college football. Now, Devontae Smith was the star of this game, in my opinion. He had 130 catches. Uh, he had uh, three touchdowns. So Again, seven catches, 130 yards, uh, three touchdowns. Devontae Smith is, in my opinion, the best receiver in college football he better be the number one receiver drafted in the 2021 NFL draft. It's interesting, like, Justin Jefferson was the best receiver, a rookie receiver this year in the NFL. And he was the fifth guy drafted. You know, Henry Ruggs, Jerry Judy, CeeDee Lamb, and Jalen Rager was, were all drafted ahead of Justin Jefferson. So I hope people don't make a mistake like they did with Justin Jefferson. Let's watch the best receiver actually get drafted first this time. And uh, I'm... I don't know. It's just it's kind of weird and frustrating. Look, we've seen Jerry Judy struggle, and Henry Ruggs has been unimpressive. And I just it's pretty clear. Like when you make that comparison, that Justin Jefferson, a guy who dominated the SEC, was clearly the best guy. Uh, did you watch? I just think that man Devontae Smith, what he's done over and over and over again to other corners in the SEC against who, no matter who they play, he dominates. And so Devontae Smith, in my opinion, better be the number one receiver drafted in the 2021 NFL Draft. Now, Alabama is going to play Ohio State in the national championship. And what I love about this matchup is that I don't immediately know who's going to win. There are some games like Alabama-Notre Dame. I'm like, yeah, Alabama's going to win that game absolutely without even hesitating. This game makes me hesitate and go, hmm. Now, I do lean towards Alabama. I'm not really sure how you defend Alabama. They got a great running back, uh, Najee Harris. They also have a great receiver, Devontae Smith. They can, if you put more numbers in the box and play man-to-man coverage outside— you're really at a disadvantage because I don't know that anybody can cover Devontae Smith in college football. And if you double-team Devontae Smith, they talked about it over and over and over again in the, in the Alabama-Notre Dame game. Then you lose numbers in the running game, and Najee Harris will just destroy you. So I don't know how you defend Alabama. I don't think they're going to lose a game this year. Uh, however, it's going to be interesting. Ohio State has an opportunity here. And, it, of course, shout-out to Mac Jones. I think he's awesome, too. This game, this team, Alabama, reminds me a lot of the the '90s Cowboys, where they had you know quarterback, running back, receiver. They had uh, Troy Aikman, Emmitt Smith, and Michael Irvin. This Alabama team has Mac Jones, Najee Harris, and Devontae Smith, and they are a team that can just put up all kinds of numbers on offense. It's really really fun. And borderline, Mac Jones might be better than Tua was at Alabama. So uh, he's a bigger, better, bigger athlete who uh, I think I, I don't know. Well, I just I'm really excited to watch Mac Jones enter the NFL. I think he's got some kind of opportunity to do some good stuff there and be a franchise quarterback. And I, he's not just good because of the people around him. Like, yeah, 
absolutely he's elevated by playing with great you know players around him. But he also has got some high-level stuff and some skill sets that make him uh, an NFL quarterback, in my opinion. So it'll be fun to watch him. And I, I'm also really excited to watch Ohio State's quarterback, Justin Fields, against Alabama's defense. I don't know that I, – I really I, – I think that Alabama should be the favorite in this game. Uh, but I, I think from an evaluating standpoint, I just can't wait to watch and evaluate Justin Fields and see how he does against a really top-notch defense like Alabama. And, uh, you know, I just think that'll be – he's going to be challenged. And I, I, I said what I said about Justin Fields. He's, a, I think, going to be a fantastic NFL quarterback. He's very talented. He works very hard. Uh, and he's got the right head on his shoulders. But uh, it'll be interesting to see just like, hey, I get to kind of be indulgent and continue to evaluate him against a great defense like Alabama. It'll be very, very fun uh, when that game happens. Now, shout out to a great bowl game I watched. Uh, one of the most interesting finishes to a game – I still maintain that Liberty uh, Coastal Carolina is my favorite bowl game I've seen all year. But Georgia against Cincinnati, man, it was really good. Really, really fun. And if we've had a couple of bowl games this year. Texas A&M versus North Carolina was good. Liberty Coastal Carolina. Now this game, Georgia-Cincinnati. Georgia won 24-21. They had a last-second field goal to take the lead. I actually had the lead 22-21. to And then you know, there was one second left. And Cincinnati got the ball like on their own like three yard line after after a kickoff got kneeled down, and so on the last play of the game, Georgia got a field goal to give them a twenty four to twenty one lead. Just a fun game though, man. I, I really love what Cincinnati is building and doing. They dominate recruiting in Cincinnati. If I ever can, uh, depending on where we're at next year, uh, I would love to live in Cincinnati for six months if COVID's gone and if it's feasible. Like I, man, I someday in my lifetime I want to live for a football season in. Uh, the city of Cincinnati, because of their proximity to all these other cities. It'd be fun to watch. There's so much great football there. And it would also be awesome if, while I'm there, University of Cincinnati is a very good football team as well. I mean, look up, go on Google Maps, and then look at Cincinnati as a city. And look at how many hours it is to drive to Louisville, uh, Chicago, Green Bay, Columbus, Ohio, Kentucky. We're Lexington, you know, Lexington, Kentucky. And, I mean, even straight up driving to, like, Alabama, Florida. Like, so here on the West Coast— I've driven to San Francisco, which is like 13 hours away. So in my head, everything that's within 13 hours feels drivable. And there are so many places within, you know, 8 to 10 hours of Indianapolis is right by uh, Cincinnati. Tennessee is within driving distance. There are so many – Pittsburgh. There's so many cities and teams, college and pro, in proximity to Cincinnati. I want to live there someday, and I really like their football program right now. Now, I'm also really excited for Georgia's future. They kind of feel like where Florida was two years ago, where it was Florida's first year with Kyle Trask. Remember, he got elevated to the starting quarterback halfway through the year. And uh, the same kind of similar trajectory happened with just, with JT Daniels, where JT Daniels only started four games for Georgia, but he won all four games and played really, really well. And JT Daniels pretty obviously elevated that Georgia football team and made their offense way more effective. And so I, I'm really excited to watch how Georgia can do next year with uh, JT Daniels as their quarterback all year long, because, man, this Georgia team has been begging, even when J uh, Jake Fromm was their quarterback, they were begging for a great quarterback who could take them to the next level. I think JT Daniels might be that guy, and I, I want to see what they can do next year. It'll be really, really fun to watch them with a full year as JT Daniels as their starting quarterback. Now, also, shout-out to Cincinnati. Cincinnati has a fun quarterback, uh, Desmond Ritter, who, um, man, like he— I just love watching quarterbacks who can run around and are mobile. It makes it way more fun. Now, it's, it's kind of sad to me. Cincinnati had the lead late, 
they couldn't score in the second half after their you know, that the their third quarter that their opening drive in the third quarter was a touchdown you know the long I think like a 79 yard touchdown run by Cincinnati then after that they couldn't score again and they also couldn't stop Georgia late in the fourth quarter so Cincinnati had the lead they blew it it kind of sucked I know the game meant a lot to them and uh, I don't remember the name of the guy there's some player who from Cincinnati it, the whole team from Cincinnati went to the locker room to change and cool off and this one guy stood there just like sullen watching Georgia get the trophy from the bowl game handed the you know the whole trophy presentation and uh I, I forget I put it on my Instagram story I can't remember the guy's name right now it's a you know that pain when some it's like watching someone get married like watching uh imagine like going to your ex-girlfriend's wedding and just watching sad like I wish that was me that's what it felt like with this guy uh from Cincinnati Google the moment. It was really kind of compelling and interesting. He just sat there the whole time, quietly, kind of sullen. And he's going to be, uh, I think, exciting to watch next year. Whoever that guy is, I forget his name. I'm so sorry, but um, look up the story. It's kind of interesting there. That guy just sat a painful thing watching another team celebrate with a trophy he wanted for his football team. And uh, I don't know, man. Really fun week of, of football ahead and, and really past. And I. College football is flawed, but I really want them to expand their college football play. I think it'd be fun and interesting, uh, despite the fact that I think a Cincinnati or a Georgia or a Coastal Carolina, like all these teams that could have been added, Texas A&M, like Texas A&M got blown out by Alabama by a lot. And I is can anybody beat Alabama? I don't know, but I still would like to see those teams that didn't make it in play in another more meaningful game against another school. Like why can't UNC and Texas A&M and Oregon and Cincinnati and Georgia like all get in and just have a good time with even more meaningful uh, a a higher frequency of meaningful fun football games. I'd love to see that. I want to end today's show by just giving a um just a thank you to everybody. 2020 is now over. 2020 is the I never expected a year like 2020 to happen and that's kind of obvious to say, but I thought when I started covering sports, I'm like oh, I'm going to cover sports for a living. Hey, that's really safe because you will always, no matter what's happening politically or this or that, like there's always going to be more sports. And halfway through the year, man, there wasn't any sports got canceled, like across the board. There was like weeks with nothing. And I, I was pretty nervous. I'm like, man, I thought I had a foolproof plan. I'm going to do a business surrounded by around covering sports. And I got really scared. And I, um, it was definitely the most challenging year I've ever had as a small business owner. Um, but I, I want to say just thank you to the people who were there for those hard months. And I covered whatever I could. I did whatever I could. People, there were people on Patreon that never left. They were there even when there were no sports happening. They still continue to support uh, what I'm doing on Patreon. I just want to say thank you to you guys. It means a lot to me. Uh, we got through 2020. Things are looking up. I think it's going to be a great year for sports and for the show. Uh, I'm also looking to expand into other stuff. I'm doing a movie podcast very, very soon. Uh, I want to do more than just sports in case anything like this ever happens again. Um, but I, I don't know. I just want to say thank you to the people who helped get me through 2020. Uh, you know, sports came back. We were okay, but there was that time in the middle of the year around June, July. I was just like, man, this is getting really dark and really rough. And I appreciate the people who were there for me that supported the channel and supported the podcast when I needed it most. Thank you very much. Hope you have a great day. Enjoy today's football. It's going to be amazing. Hope you have a, again, it's just a good time. I love you. I appreciate you. Bam, we are done.